Blog Talk Radio. We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about, and the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey with our mentors. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which can be the vehicle that takes you through life. Our mentors can provide that roadmap for your journey. Each week, I will be interviewing those mentors, coaches who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches like myself. They have authored books and papers on tennis and continue to give back today. Uh, Before I get into the broadcast, I would like to wish everybody a happy Easter. And all our Jewish friends, I hope you enjoy the blessings of the Passover uh, celebration. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball Network CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our tennis network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on useful information. Of course, the nice thing about, about, excuse me, about Block Talk Radio is that if you can listen live, say on Wednesday to today's guest, Coach Chuck Greasy and his American Tennis, you can listen at any time you choose. And of course, each Thursday I will add my personal views to the broadcast because I do believe Uh, Dr. King, when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And the Almighty will, and you'll still be able to read my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. Before I get into uh, our broadcast today, and uh, and I believe we have a timely show uh, uh, that's important to everybody, I would like to address a couple of misconstrued comments that were uh, made. Uh, last week, uh, I made comments about not coaching uh, my children uh, in uh, high school or, uh, and that I didn't know the experience, and some of you misunderstood the importance of uh coaching at uh, little league level and uh, recreation level. And among those chastising me was my daughter, Jonna Ann, who reminded me that uh, I coached her recreation Saturday morning basketball team and how I helped her in her high school journey and that one of the team members uh, became an All-American at Syracuse, a young man, uh, Anthony Harris, who later went on to uh, play in the pros. Uh, and, of course, she, uh, she reminded me how important she thought that was. Um, I think of her as the success she's had in life and uh, my two outstanding uh, grandsons who are uh, into baseball in high school now and uh, – I uh, I do apologize, and I admit I was in remorse in not bringing that up, but uh, she also reminded me that the two most important things that she remembered out of that is that twice everybody on the team uh, scored uh, baskets. And uh, so we do leave an impression uh, on her, and I, I definitely didn't mean uh, to, to say that High school tennis was more, uh, or high school coaching was more important, or college coaching was more important, or professional coaching 
uh, was more important. That is the last thing on my mind, uh, believe me. Uh, I'd also uh, like to bring up another point, uh, my disagreement with the PTR. Uh, I've I, I received comments on that, and I welcome your comments. Like I say, please let me know what's going on. Uh, but I am a proud uh, PTR member approaching 30 years, uh, and I've been, a matter of fact, the first uh, FACA training I did uh, was when I was the second president of the U.S. PTR Florida section, and I used all PTR members there, including uh, the third president of the Florida section, Johnny Angel, and I'm pretty sure, I believe, that our first president, Jorge Andrew, who later became president of the PTR, uh, was also involved in that training. But because I love the PTR, I can tell them when I think they're catering to the USTA, and when I don't want to be part of something like I did, I no longer wanted to be uh, part of a uh, board that sits there and lectures for 50 minutes, and I, uh, I want to hear the input. I think too often uh, being a, a member uh, gives me the right to be critical when I think uh, they are wrong, and I think it should give you the privilege, too, if you're not a friend bee. So, um, which I brought up as, I think, today's topic, and I think I see uh, uh, the legendary coach Chuck Reese on now. So, before I get into other stuff, I'd like to bring him on. Coach, are you there? Yeah, I hope you can hear me okay, John. Yes, I can. Uh, I think uh, this is an important time for our discussion today, and... Uh, being guardians of our game, and I associate with you with being the main uh, guardian. And uh, just uh, 15 minutes ago, before getting on here, I was in discussion on Facebook about why somebody shouldn't be playing high school tennis. And the conversation uh, got ended. Well, they didn't think she would be able to play. Uh, she should play college tennis either because she won the Easter Bowl and so on. And, and I just, uh, I think we're at a time today where we need open discussion. And I have a lot of questions and topics for you today, but I'd like you to just start off with what you feel in your heart right now. Well, I mean, you've already uh, introduced a lot of topics, uh, John, that need to be talked about. And, uh, you know, the most important thing, again, is uh, we talk about guardians of the game. We're all guardians of the game, and we need to be. Uh, I, I guess the thing that's hardest for everyone to understand is how we have so much political movement going on with the game of tennis, and there's so much redirection of our game, and nobody knows where it's coming from, who's doing it. Um, and in doing so, whether they are good moves or whether they are bad moves, it makes us very unstable. Now, right away, people might say, well, change is change, and it's going to be unstable. But there's a couple things I, I, I really – seriously believe nothing was wrong with the game of tennis. Nothing at all is wrong with the game of tennis. 143 years of success. This game will be our game is, and that's how long we've had the structures of their scoring system and some of the things that we've done, the tournaments and things. There have been a few changes or in, you know, few uh, adjustments. But the point is, there's nothing wrong with our game of tennis, and our game of tennis will be around a long, long time after all of us are dead and gone. Everybody's listening to this radio show. <clears throat> but what, what I, I, I need to make this point, the game of tennis being changed underneath our, from right from under our feet here, and somebody's doing it. I don't know who these invisible people are, these uh, – 
uh, puppeteers are whoever these uh, I, I believe they're marketeers to tell you the truth I really believe they're people who are after the marketing of the game and not after keeping a great educational institutional an educational game that has become an institution in our country for learning and for the class that it has. Uh, And I've always used this, that, you know, everybody's panicking and that their people are throwing stuff against the wall. Our leaders are panicking and throwing things against the wall. But I keep reminding people that easy to pick up becomes easy to put down. Hard to pick up is hard to put down. Our game has always been like playing the violin in an orchestra. It is something of class, something that takes tremendous skill, and that is why it has survived. Our marketeers are diminishing it. Our marketeers are, our leaders are allowing the marketeers to make adjustments in trying to get something going for the interim for a short time here. But in the end, nothing inspires us about the changes. Nothing will sustain us about the changes. They're after the entertainment part of it instead of the educational part of it. Therefore, we see the mess we're in right now. So, John, I'd like to know who these people are who are doing this. I'd like to know we need to ask who the people are making these decisions for the abbreviations in our game. Who are making the decisions for these all these shortened sets? Who are making the decisions for all of the USDA control? The, the and it's it, 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 it's a coercive leadership. It is not a leadership based on things that inspire us. It's not leadership based on example of something great. It's coercive. It's being forced down our throat, and it's. It, 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 you know, I love this game so much like you do, 50-some years in it now. But uh, I've often said it feels like, John, it would be as if your son that you love so much grows up to be somebody who's a drug dealer or something, or your daughter grows up to be somebody that you're not proud of either, and you're just disgusted. You're just hurt and disgusted. So anyhow, John, we've got a lot to talk to. That'll be my lead in there. Uh, high school tennis, as I told you in our last broadcast that I did with you last month, it is the sleeping giant. Small Town Tennis USA is our sleeping giant. The very fact that we cannot get our kids to play high school tennis is just awful. I cannot think of any other sport that is so anemic, so weak in developing being a developmental sport every coach in college goes to the high school football basketball wrestling soccer all of the games in every other sport they will go to see the athletes john in my 38 years of coaching collegiately i've never been to a high school tennis match to look for talent because that's not where it's at you might have good players playing but you don't have a good competitive event. The dual matches of high school tennis are only good if somebody's trying to be a good team person and learn a little bit of a social, some social skills and things, but it's, it's anemic and it could be so much better. So that's my opening, John, and uh, I'll go from there and let you ask your questions. Well, I think which brings us into, you know, my title I put down, Freedom Meeting, which, of course, today seemingly benefits might not be useful tomorrow. And I think this is what happens when we don't have open discussions and we're afraid to get into, uh, for instance, why have we allowed the high school tennis to uh, go uh, down the tube? Why are we allowing, in my opinion, and you know, of course, I always tell the people, please, when you disagree with me, let me know. Why are we letting uh, college tennis, to me, to, to the greatest training ground, why are we those changes? And it's, uh, we listen, when Murray makes a statement a couple of weeks ago that 
uh, Haggerty's going to do what he wants, and the August meeting is uh, is going to go what he wants. And it's not just the players. Noah, great player and a great coach, and talking about um, the changes being made in that. What you and I talked about often is competition, the importance of competition, and it seems as though competition has become a bad name. Uh, how do can we get competition back in the college? John, um, one of the things you brought up was the question of leadership, mm-hmm. All right? And I, you know, I have some coin phrases. One of them is that number one people will hire number one people. Number two people hire number three people. When you get any type of political or social appointments where people are promoted or pushed up the ladder, not because of their skill set, but because of who they know or because it was their turn or because of any other reason, what you get is a number two person. And what I mean by that, you get somebody that doesn't have ownership. They might rent their ideas. They might rent things, but they don't own their their things. They haven't worked through all of the things. In other words, and I'll call him out, Haggerty. Haggerty, I know you were USDA president, and I know you are ITF guy now, but who have you ever coached to excellence? Give me one player you've ever coached. Give me a top 50 player or something to hang on to. Let me know what you've done in tennis. Let me know the arenas you've been in. I know you're a politician. Very nice man. You're a very nice guy. Very nice man. But let me know what you've done as far as being in the actual arena. Be very much like our military, somebody that's only been in the ROTC and no slam on ROTC, but if somebody, you've got an old commission guy, non-commissioned guy, who's been out in many, many battles and then, you got somebody right out of ROTC camp. Which one do you want leading your platoon? Well, it's pretty easy to see. Who do you want is in a, they always say, as a heart surgeon? You want somebody that's done, you know, 5,800 operations or somebody that's just right out of. And so we put in tennis, for whatever reason, we put a lot of number two people in number one positions. There's a saying that there's nothing more pathetic than small people in big positions. Now, I'm not calling him a small person. Right away, do not think that. Very nice guy. But I'm just saying that we have a number two person probably. I know in, you know, in college tennis we have a guy who was a music director. You know, I mean, he's a very nice man, but he's a music director. You know, I mean, I love music. I'm crazy about classical music. But I don't have – I can't go into a college and be the director of a music department why do we put somebody who's a tennis enthusiast in charge of our collegiate tennis system? Why do we put somebody who has worked his way up through the political system and has just nodded to the right people, not met any waves, run the meetings in the right way, been a person who was never controversial? Why do we put those people in leadership positions? So we got a lot of number two people in number one positions. So here's what happens. Number two people surround themselves by number threes. And, you know, what happens when the leadership is not earned, then subordinates will never tell you the truth. When there are weak people around people, that basically becomes a political bureaucracy. And when the bureaucracy happens, good ideas do not happen. Truth does not get on the table. Things are not discussed, John. Things, things like this are not discussed. In the college arena right now it is awful what is happening it is going down so fast they can they can say listen we got it going we got no they don't it's it's awful it does not inspire people to want to be great at tennis plain and simple you might get kids that want to play tennis and rah-rah it's fun but they are not inspired to do the right things because it has been so diminished with, with many, many of the things. So the college coaches fall into three categories. You have the old buzzards like me. I'm an old buzzard coach, 54 years in the game, 43 years in coaching. And uh, so most of the guys like me just say, what are you worrying about? Just let it go. Come on, man, play golf, enjoy life. 
Come on, enjoy life. Again, it's like my son or my daughter is in great trouble. My son, my daughter, something I love is in dire straits here. So every day it's on my mind. My wife just wishes I would get the heck out of tennis. You know, and, and well, so, we can't get out, Coach. People like you and I can't get out, so what do we do? I mean, it, it's well, obvious people, that you know, I'm me, too old to be me, on the court anymore, and, it's, and I love the game too much yeah, just yeah. to get out yeah. of it. But well, you're look, still in look, it. What can we do? How do we change it? Well, let, let me go on. The middle people who are young are just glad to be part of the deal. And I had my years in my 20s where somebody thought I was hot news, and you sort of go along a little bit until you learn your ropes. And so there's no friction there. The guys who should be speaking up are the people who are in their mid-30s to 50, 35 to 50, who really are active, who really people uh, think have a lot on the ball. And, but they've got the golden handcuffs on a lot. They're making a good living. They said, don't rock the boat. And they get threatened. Frankly, I know people won't speak up against the USDA because they think uh, this some invisible hand is going to come out of the out of the clouds and smack them down and smack their tennis career down. You know, it's not the people of the USDA. The organization is the one that is really just a uh, a, <laughs> a bunch of hullabaloo, really. They they uh, they need to stay out of they need to just do in the the situation where they help people out but they don't they need to stay out of the the coaching business because they the coaching business should be done by local people not by some central organization again bottom well, coach up, are they in are they there. in I that's I disagree with you there because I don't think they're in the coaching business yeah. I mean yeah they are yeah they I are perform- they're, they're in everything. Yeah, well, listen, they are because they're the ones that are changing scoring systems. They're the ones that run all the junior tournaments. Here's our problem. Right. Our junior tournaments are all being devastated. Look, junior tournaments are too expensive. They do not inspire. They have been watered down to where no one knows what a winner really is anymore. We're giving away gold balls that don't mean anything. So True. it's like we have diluted, polluted, and very soon it becomes prostituted. You know, so <laughs> the, the point is, is no, they, they don't do it right. They need to leave it up to the local sections, governments, give them advice, give them things, but do not over-regulate. They're into over-regulating, John. So I would dis- it's okay. We can agree to disagree on that one. Right. Well, yes, and I agree with everything you just said. I totally agree. But I think we have to remember we're the people. I mean, I sat on the board for eight years, and some of the stupid things that were done, I voted uh, for. But uh, I think Doug Booth would tell you in Florida, I would probably rate it in the top 10% of being pained. But when I did believe in something, I adopted it, went out and sold it. Uh, and I went through, I taught in the school programs and everything. I think they've done a lot of good, but I, well, I, but I, I agree with you 100%. I don't think they've ever learned to separate recreation from competition. And uh, they Very tried good. To, and everything recreation. Very good. Very good. There is a big difference between participation goals and competitive goals. And if they would do that one thing, USDA needs to separate it on their website or uh, recreation participation events and then competitive events. The problem is everybody thinks they're in competitive tennis. They're not. Uh, You know, the weekend warriors, the ladies, 3.5 leagues, you know, the introduction 10 and under programs that they use green balls and stuff. They look, they'll let 10 and under kids play regular balls in the competitive arena and not prohibit, you know, listen, that's, that was just a ridiculous thing that they did where they mandated the kids have to play with green balls to assert. Are you kidding me? That's like telling a 10 and under kid he can't shoot at a 10 foot goal instead of eight foot goal. <laughs> if I have my son out playing basketball, and there's an eight foot goal next to a 10 foot goal. Which one do you think he wants to make? Wants to make the 10. You know, he wants right. to make the 10. 
This is like going out and play golf, you know. I mean, what do you think most people want to do? Do you think people want to go up and play the Yellatees because they're in, they're in more they're easier? No, most people who are really after being good, they're trying to play the blue tees and, and trying to uh, challenge their skill set. So, but they again, these people who are leaders do not understand. You know, has Haggerty been a teacher? Has he been? I don't know. Has he been a college professor? I don't know. Has he ever been a leader of people? You know, the point is, is, you know, again, we need people like the Wayne Bryans. We need people like the Jack Sharps. We need the people like the, my gosh, we've got Robert Lansdorf. We have the best minds, best of punk. We have the best minds of any place in the world for tennis, and we use people who are basically number two and three people are just coming up and can be controlled by a bureaucracy. And that's uh, – it's uh, it's just human nature, but it's it's really not something that. Uh, hey, John, I'm going through a tough place in the mountains, so if we get cut off, I'll call you back. I want to let you know that. So, so far, so good. So far, so good, Coach. So okay, far, I'll call so you back good. If I get cut off. I'm I'm driving through the mountains, beautiful North Carolina mountains, right now. Oh, yeah, it is. That is beautiful. But it's obvious, well, I shouldn't say it's obvious. it's obvious to me anyway. Some people look at something as being half full and other people look at, uh, you know, glasses half empty. I'm looking at it half empty because I'm hearing so much from people on the uh, social media and everything. But in, re- in reality, it's not just in social media. It's going on. Is it? or I mean, you're saying it's going on in the colleges, too. I mean, the problem, oh, the problem. And listen, John, John, the proof's in the pudding. If we were winning Grand Slam events on both men's and women's, if we had the numbers from our colleges going into the professional ranks like every other sport, they have the professional football draft coming up in a week or so. Well, my golly, it's, they're all college players. Look, we – in, in college tennis, we have no one going from college tennis into professionals. Uh, USA born, now we have plenty of international players who have played professional tennis already, and they're here just to get their college education and uh, on the American dollar. And, and you know, the, 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 we have plenty of that, but as far as American kids, that American born, USA born, Go to college and go play pros. We have two right now on the men's side, one on the women's side. Nicole Gibbs on the women's. But she's about the first woman player in over 20 years. Uh, Falcone went to Georgia Tech, coached by the great Brian Shelton in, at uh, Georgia Tech. She went, she's been in and out of the pros. Other than that, remember Gretchen Rush and maybe, golly, it's been a while. It's, it's just awful on the women's side. And on the men's side, it's not much better. We have two. We have Isner and Steve Johnson, Stevie Johnson, and, and that's it. That's it. Right. Now, if there were 15 or 20 coming out, going into the pros, John, I would say, yep, you do. I'm wrong. USTA is right. Whoa, I'm wrong. You know, ITA is right. Whoa, look. Looky here, but every year, I'll give you another statistic. Every year, the top 100 American males and females minimum probably top 200 go to college john they go to college okay four years later they should be maybe having a chance to play some professional tennis four years later well over the last 10 years and a hundred minimum a year that's how many kids that's a thousand kids have there been five women out of that a thousand american-born that have been able to go from college ranks to the pros. Have there been 10 men, American-born, go to the college? Now, there's some international students that the ITA will jump on and say, well, we have this guy that, well, he played about four years of pro tennis. God, it's awful. You know, in 2002, I've still got the picture from the New York Times, 2002, there was a picture of our NCAA champion, and he was holding a little plaque from 2002. And in 1999, there was a picture of it right next to the New York Times of him holding a check for $11,000. And 
that he played in a professional tournament earlier. You know what? Nothing was ever said of it. Nothing. I mean, it's unbelievable. So college tennis is about done. And now they've gone to this no-ad scoring and abbreviated sets and wow, wow, wow. It's like arena football. It, it, I, I've got so many analogies to it, but it's like it's like uh, just a just a fraction of what the training could be and should be and used to be. I mean, we used to have our players go to the NCAA tournament, then fly to Wimbledon and and do real well at, at Wimbledon and places. Now they can't get off the ground. So, and the question is, where does it go from there? I mean, the problem is, and like some people misunderstood in my remarks about the PTR, but I have a bigger question. What's going to happen to the PTR 15 or 20 years from now or the USPTA? I mean, if we no longer, if Haggerty is right and there's only 750 men and 750 women, why should colleges not switch to the USTA program. And is that what the USTA is looking for? Are we going to lose the great coaches uh, like you? I mean, are you a thing in the past? Uh, that they're doing uh, reducing the amount of professionals, men and women. Look, if it's like golf maybe where you only allow so many on the tour, instead of always we've had a filtering system, you have a filters at every level, all the kids that try tournaments, then they don't do well, then they drop out. And then for two or three sure. years, the kids who can travel on dad, dad's diner club card and they keep losing, they finally drop out. And then there's kids who work through the ranks and get to the top 200. And then there are gatekeepers at the top 200. You know, players uh, like Michael, what was his name? Michael, so from Michigan, that guy was so tough. Went to Miami, I can't remember his name, but he like Paul Goldstein was a gatekeeper. You had to get by those guys in order to go forward into the tour events. Well, that was one way we had it. You know, the golf has the PGA, and you got to go to tour. You got to go to tour school, get your card, and and uh, then they have some, you know, Microsoft tours, or they have some smaller tours. Now, if they structure it like they do the golf tournaments, it would not be too bad. Let's just say you have you're allowed so many people on the tour events, and then everybody is free to open up some other dot com tours, and you know the old pin circuits, and let's bring back satellites, and let's use our creativity to have some American only professional entry level events. Let's let's do those things. Might not be so bad, but um, the the point. You know, I think that has to be made is that, again, we don't have the top people sitting down and making these decisions. And the reason I say that is they're scared to come up and say, on my, on a Facebook thing, I finally put something down in, on the We Coach Tennis. I don't care for that daggone Facebook thing, but I said, well, those people, please stand up and be recognized, the people who are going to be either get the credit for saving our game or those people are going to get the blame for dismantling our game. Would you please stand up and be recognized? Would you please stand up? And you know what? If if they do a great job, let's applaud them, everybody. But right now they're burying our game. You know, in the U.S. Well, I would just respectfully disagree a little bit again because I think we shut off those great people from even talking. I mean, I think we have to sit there and be willing to listen to each other and not be willing to look for a point to get in. And this was the point I was trying to make with my point with the PTR was – don't, I don't want to sit up with a group of three people and lecture for 15 minutes and then tell somebody you have five sure. minutes to ask questions. That's saying I really don't give a damn about what you say. John, I want to hear John, the people. John, sorry, let me jump in there. Um, look, you misunderstood me. 
I believe the people who are making these moves for the abbreviated scoring and the restructuring, those guys are doing the wrong thing by not standing up and being accounted for. They're doing the, I'm not going to call them a name, but they're not standing up and being accounted for. They're not allowing the discussions to take place. That's shameful. They are acting like they own tennis. No one owns tennis. Okay, the governing bodies, USTA, apparently the Olympic Committee, U.S. Olympic Committee gave them that right. But no one owns tennis. No one should own our children and tell them what they have to do. No one should own our tournament directors. Nobody, this is, it's disgusting. It's top-down management, and it's a socialist system that needs to be rid, uh, we need to be rid of. And, and so, John, the thing is about the PTR. The PTR I've always loved because they stand independently, and they do not want to be bought off. I do know that the USTA now has swallowed up the USPTA. You know, under Tim Heckler all those years, they did, they fought to be independent and do their own thing. And now they are just a sidekick, sort of a an organization that's going to do the marching orders or whatever the USTA wants. So I, I hope. go across the street to see those guys eat a bale of hay, as we would say in you know, Tennessee when I was back in college, <laughs> you know, but I like the PTR because they stand, they stand up and I do know they're fighting. The PTR is fighting in, in, in Dennis Vandermeer's legacy. He started it because he didn't want to be bought by other people. He started it and to protect his legacy of the PTR. I hope they continue to stand up and be independent because you know what? That inspires people. Being a company man does not inspire anyone, you know, and, and uh, they're promoting I couldn't agree more with man. Dan. I don't know why Dennis Vandenberg is not in the Hall of Fame. I pray he goes in next year. Well, that should have happened 20 years ago. But, again, it's True. very simple. You know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, probably his greatest Hall of Fame is if he doesn't get into that Hall of Fame. Because the Hall of Fame becomes a Hall of Shame. Shame when you let people in that don't belong and you let people in for political reasons. You know, and so, you know, again, golly, there's diamonds and there's rhinestones. And being some of those Hall of Fames is a rhinestone, it is definitely not a diamond. But he will go down in history as being one of the greatest people in the history of the sport of tennis. I would put Harry Hopman number one, maybe, and him number two, and everybody else after, you know. And, and uh, but he did a lot. He went around the world. They have they he taught tennis around the world before the ITF even got the idea of doing it. And then Doug McCurdy, wow, what a pioneer that guy was! What a great leader. I used to love it. that guy. Went around the world. Now he worked for the USPTA, the USTA for years, but. What a great, great ambassador for the game of tennis. There's probably few people that have spread the game between, beside Doug McCurdy and Dennis Vandermeer around the world like, the, you know, like they did. So, anyhow, what else, John? I'm, I'm, getting, I'm hanging in there with this. Uh, you're still picking no, me up, aren't uh, you? It's, I'm it's, beautiful it's, country. it's obvious that, you know, we look at the half-empty, and I think part of uh, the, the problem is, and, and I think we have to ask ourselves, and maybe we should, you know, ask ourselves the question, maybe I have to face up to the fact of, uh, uh, and you're younger than me, but, but my age, being an American and being free and choosing and not being dictated to, uh, maybe, uh, you know, the rest of the world's a socialist uh a world, uh, maybe it's uh, it's our time uh, that uh, to uh, conform, but uh, uh, I I just can't accept that, so I've got to keep speaking out. But I have to sit there and you know get into. I hear so much dissatisfaction with no ad scoring and no doubles in college and everything. 
I mean, it's all over the Internet. It has to be going around in the conversations around college, too. It can't just be, uh, is everybody go to a college match, just stand silently and don't talk to each other? You know, um, you got to start from understanding the fact that it was never, no ad scoring never has had a consensus to do it, ever. I was six times it was put down. The last time I drove all the way to listen to, I drove all the way down to Naples, Florida, eight hours, sat through these big meetings, fought, fought. We argued, talked, talked, talked. In the end, everybody put down. They ended up voting down. No ad scoring. They went behind closed doors. Ryan Boland, who is in charge now, uh, he's taken over a, a big position. I think he'll do good. He's, uh, I think he'll get good people around him. But uh, he said, called me and said, Chuck, you won't believe what they did. They went behind closed doors and said, you know what? This was just a straw vote anyway. We could pretty much, pretty much do what we want to do. I go, what? Are you kidding me? This is a den of thieves. This is, this is awful. And, uh, very, you know, I'll give you an idea. On the women's side, uh, you had the great coach, Lynn Loring, at, at Indiana University, conducted a poll of women's coaches, and they got 196 signatures on a petition to keep traditional scoring. And they did it anyway because the ITA was run predominantly by the same guys who've run it for years. By the way, we've, we've requested of the ITA that they have one person from every conference in the country, 32 different conferences, that they have a, the 32 different people, but they basically have their cronyism going. That's the best way to say it. They have their cronyism going, but basically they promoted and pushed and pushed. Now, somebody had to have been behind them because the from the time they started trying to push it in 2012, Let's, let's go back to 2011. 2011, I'm at the Kalamazoo, and I'm having dinner with some of the ITA guys, some of the those uh, you know Ivy League coaches, basically. And they're saying we got to get Noad back in. We got to get Noad back in. And and I'm going, whoa, wait a minute. I was not coaching college at the time. I was after I left Thailand. I was. I was working at a training center, and uh, they basically were looking to jump on anything they could. In 2012, 16 women, 16 men's teams at the same tournament, the NCAA. By the way, the vote against having men and women together by the college men's coaches was 51 against 2-4, and they did it anyway, 51 to two, and the ITA did it anyway under the old leadership of David Benjamin was the guy, the prince who was the ITA guy for 35 years. So he did it anyway. So it, in Athens, Georgia, in 2012, it rained the first day. So you have 16 men, 16 women's women's teams. So of course the NCAA officials saying, "Boy, this is a big." This is a uh, big uh, mess here with it raining the first day. Well, the ITA jumped on that, and they said, oh, okay, this is our shot. We'll change the scoring system to make it shorter. And they just pounded on the NOAD for the next three years. And uh, three coaches, myself, coach at Michigan State, a great, great, great Gene Orlando and Randy Blumendahl, was in Indiana, fought like crazy. We started the men's, uh, uh, you know, the M- MDTA, Men's Division One Tennis Association, and we fought like crazy for, and I believe we kept it at bay for two years, and guarantee you Virginia would not have won the championship had it been no ad scoring because they had a, the great Mitchell Frank, the last guy out on the court twice, and, as a freshman with traditional scoring, he went undefeated, sophomore near undefeated. When they started playing with, with traditional scoring and with no ad scoring, he had to take 10 or 15 losses his junior year. 
And uh, so the, the and, and so the point is is it was jammed down our throats. And those guys, you know, I can't trust them as far as I can throw them. And that's that's just what my comment is. I'm not naming any names, but I'm just saying the ITA pushed it through. They changed the whole NCAA committee. They changed the committee so they got what they wanted. And coaches just have to swallow it and take it. And unfortunately, it's like the boiling frog thing. You turn up the heat a little bit at a time. Pretty soon, people will be like, well, that's sort of the way it goes. (laughs) And uh, they'll just be the old timers like me and you, John, that remember the great sport of tennis and the way it's supposed to be played. And my golly, how, how bad would professional tennis be if we had to watch Curious play Federer in the semifinals of that Miami tournament with no ad scoring and you didn't have the, the drama and the fluctuating momentum of those war zone games. My golly. Oh, great matches. I know. It's, it's, it's so, are we going to lose them like we're hey, losing uh, college John. tennis? Do we lose them? I mean, John. if we don't get more people around, I think of us like uh, – Thomas Edison, he says, I have not failed. I found 10,000 ways that it won't work. Well, we know what's not working. I mean, but unless we get more people involved, we're not going to sit there and find what does work. I mean, I look at, well, I have grandsons in baseball, so I sit there and I watch college baseball uh, an awful lot. But you look at pro baseball, and you're seeing more and more kids coming out of college now playing baseball. You look at those schools, and tennis is going the opposite direction. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. John, John, look, look, I'm not calling them crooked people, but they've done crooked things. Let's just say we have a lot of good people that have done wrong things, and they'll say, well, wrong according to who? You know, you chant this person or that person. No, they've done some wrong, very wrong things to our game. We have 143 years of tradition. 143 years. The scoring system that the Rod Lavers and the Margaret Courts and the Lou Holtz and the Ellsworth Vines and the Bill Tildens, the Poncho Gonzalez's and the Jack Kramers and, and the Rod La- and everybody has used and then well, wait a minute. We are so smart. We are so smart in ITA, and we are so smart in USTA. Let's use no ad scoring. And, yeah, what? Are you kidding me? Well, why don't we? Everybody is talking about it. We know. I mean, I look at the USTA, and I see things that – they done things that I was part of it. I mean, the, the, the LET program, Local Excellent Tennis Program, I was part of that for years. The USTA, in my opinion, gave it up too soon. Uh, they've given up good programs before that they've had people that they right. didn't run, but they had us sitting there running it. I, I think we got to convince them they've got to give up this because the, there's just – when you measure what uh, the value of no ad scoring except for time, what's, there is no value to it. Well, I can I can have a, I'm going to give you a quick thing to think about. Everybody think about out there, so you look at it a little bit different paradigm, you know. But, okay. but here here is here is the big big thing, uh, you know. On um, look, John. First of all, how dare a political organization change something? That would be like a political party coming in and saying, we want to change our constitution. That's what they've done. That in itself, even if they're changing it to the dream machine and they've got the answers to everything, well, still it's wrong. There's no way to, no way around that. I'm not calling them bad people they've done a, but there are good people who've done a bad thing how's that all right now that being said let me explain the things that people do not understand about these abbreviated score abbreviated scoring it 
is completely randomness that is being promoted. In other words, everyone knows that it creates random results, but here's the reason why. Let's take the score 4-4 in the set, John, and I'm playing you. On game point, if it's a deuce point, let's say that you get an, I get a net cord, or let's say that I cheat you, or let's say that I just hit a great shot, one point. Now, the score is 5-4 for you, or 5-4 for me. You only need, I only need four points. You now need 12. It was an eight-point swing. Eight-point swing on a sudden death point. Now, is it right to have eight points based on one? Well, let me tell you this. It's a four-to-one ratio, actually, because tennis is, an, is a game of simultaneous offense and defense, meaning when I lose a point, you win a point. There's no other sport like that. You, it would be like in basketball. If I miss my shot, you get two points. That is the way tennis works. So the point is, you really, when you lose a point, it's a two-point swing always. For example, if it's 15-30 and I lose that point, it's 15-40 instead of 30-all. Everybody knows this. Hence, that is a lot of the reason why you have to win by two. But let me make this analogy and this quick example comparison. I use basketball, so I use basketball. It is a four, eight-point swing on what should be a two-point swing, the one you should have had and the one they have now. That's the two-point swing for you folks out there. Eight, that's four times the ratio. So that means that if you make a basket in basketball during a certain time at a certain category, you get eight points. You get No, wait a minute. Instead of two, you get eight points. Or if it's a three-pointer, you get 12 points. Could you imagine, do you understand what we do? So what we do is we have amplified some points to the place where skill set does not matter. The scoring system should keep score in a fair way. Instead, the scoring system now in no-ad scoring is more important than the skill set. So kids are not going to work on forehands, backhands, serves, returns, and all those things. Why should they? If they learn, you know, I mean, you basically learn how to manipulate the scoring system. Now, you know, some coach told me, hey, the cheating is really bad too. Well, yeah, it is because you get four times the value out of those game points. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's just not half of it. The conditioning's taken out of it. Uh, you not, you know, it, it, we need an asterisk because it's not the same scoring system that's been used for years. But, but let's go back to the, the base fact here, John. The base fact is how dare the ITA and the USTA, the arrogance to say we will change 143 years of heritage. The arrogance is beyond belief. And you know what? If it works, if we get millions and millions of people watching tennis because it's so exciting, well, then I'll – Take it back, and I'll say, you guys are too smart. You're too smart for me. You saw something I didn't see. But, John, is well, I know that Santa had to know, but I think maybe in the rest of the world it's more easily acceptable than it is here. Coach, I don't believe it, but we've gone through just about a whole hour, and I have to thank some people. I first want to sit there and remind the people that okay. uh, they, we're on the network because of Jason Haynes, and he's still going through some tough times with his son. Seat. I want you all to uh, enjoy the Easter and Passover. Uh, it's a special time of year, but let's keep uh, him and his family uh, in his prayer. I also want to sit there and thank uh, uh Florida Tennis Magazine for sitting there and making sure and information, putting up with me and uh, letting me come up with uh, opinions that uh, other people uh, uh, disagree with. I want to thank Wilson uh, uh, Tennis, uh, 100 years in the sport and business. Uh, I've seen uh, 
two-thirds of it. Sadly, I'm not going to be around to see the next hundred years, but I know it's going to be exciting, and they've been a big part of tennis and a big part of youth tennis, which uh, is important. I'd like to thank Flagler Insurance in, in Florida because they understand that the, our future leaders are now in high school today. And, um, and they're just, uh, I get frustrated, as you know, when I hear people talk about uh, kids today are not the same as they used to be. Yes, they are the same. They're the same kids as, as they always been, and they're going to give you what you expect of them. So it's not the kids, please. It's if we don't expect enough from them, they're not going to give it to us. If the school system is teaching to exams rather than teaching to a subject, uh, they're not going to do it. And I, we, we live, we had two teachers that are brought up on charges uh, because of teaching to exams, and now they're talking about having those kids two years later retake the test. How do you ask kids when you haven't taught them a subject and you taught them what was going to be on uh, exams and then we're going to say and tell them that they have to uh, take an exam over? I mean, please, let's not keep blaming it on our youth. It's not our youth. It's us. I want to take team connections. I'm sad to learning that we don't have an all-star team this year. I think I got a call from Sean Cruz in the FACA uh, saying, John, you have to, you know, make sure we have the uh, uh, workshop again. Uh, we, we were blessed last year to have uh, Coach Chuck Greasy uh, that we built it around uh, this year. Uh, we're blessed to have uh, Ashley Hobson uh, that we're going to build the uh, workshop uh, around. But get your teachers, find out why your coach isn't planning to be there if they're not. September 28th to 30th there. Our all-star teams always look good. If we work together, we could get an all-star team in Florida again. And I think we still have team connection tennis, and they remind us that tennis fuels life. So please remember that uh, you can go, when you go to the FHSTCA, uh, www.fhstca.org, you go to the home page, you will see Chuck Greasy come up. You hit that and you'll get, the, you'll get his uh, website. You see Alan Fox come up. If you hit that, you'll get his website uh, come up. If you hit uh, Scott Williams, you'll see his website come up. If you hit Dr. John Murray, his website will come up. And if you hit Florida Tennis Magazine, you could read that issue of Florida Tennis Magazine. So if somebody has taken the last copy out of your pro shop, don't get in a fight there. Go to our website and you can read the magazine there. And of course, my articles are always uh, under the resource uh, page every time there. So please tell your friends to join us. Tell your friends to be vocal. Uh, Chuck Greasy has said it often. You know, don't get personal attack at somebody, but if you have a complaint or you have a suggestion, contact me, Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E, dot F-H-S-T-C-A dot org. I enjoy the I get from you. I enjoy the compliments, but I also enjoy uh, your other remarks. And as you've seen in the last issue, I put some of those remarks in there. So I do want to say, uh, remember that these organizations are us. Uh, I sat on the USTA uh, Florida board for eight years. I had some votes I wish I'd take back, but we make decisions. We make mistakes. Uh, We've got to stand up. Coach, you have the last 30 seconds of the show. What do you want to add? Well, uh, just thanks a lot, John. And, yeah, you you said it best. Um, Everybody is a guardian of the game. Stand up, speak out, say the things that need to be said. Stay professional. Try to address issues, not people. 
And, uh, look, good people do bad things. Bad people live up their reputation. Sometimes bad people do good things. Good organizations do bad things sometimes, but they keep it alive. John, thank you for doing that. We need to keep it going, and we need to see if we can shut down this freight train that's going in the wrong direction. And thank you, Coach. I appreciate you sitting there and being the mentor you are, and I know I lean on you a lot, and we have leaned on you a lot, but we are blessed to have you, and thank you very much. Bye now, everybody. Uh, Remember, next week is Dr. John Murray. Have a blessed day now. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.